Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Yas FM. You're with Kath Kovac on Women's Voices, Women's Wisdom. Hope you've all had a great week. This morning, I'm talking to Kirsten Bucalero from Sydney. And Kirsten is a wonderful lady who I met at the Wise Women's Gathering in Wiseman's Ferry a few years ago. I've mentioned this gathering a few times. I'm kind of hoping that someone or some women listening actually decide, oh, that sounds really good. I'm going to go to that one day. <laughs> so Wise Women <laughs> Gathering, look that up. It's actually wisegatherings.com. If you Google that, you'll find it. And it's such a fact. I've met, I have to tell you, almost every one of the women I have talked to on this show has almost been from me meeting them at that gathering. So I have had a few friends that I've known for years speak on the show, but a lot of the women came from, have I've met at that gathering and it's just such a fertile ground of of ideas and and of activities and just it's just amazing so um i'll stop talking about it now but just you know do yourself a favor if you're a woman <laughs> and you're interested in herbalism or self-development or women's issues or body work or anything like that do yourself a favor get onto wisegatherings.com okay so after that I would like to welcome Kirsten to the show this morning. So Kirsten works as a psychosomatic counsellor and we're going to find out what on earth that is and what she does and just have a chat to Kirsten about her life and how she's come to be a psychosomatic counsellor and, yeah, just how she is in the world today. So welcome, Kirsten. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you, Kess. Thanks for having me. It's really a pleasure and an honour. And, yes, wise gatherings really go uh Women's Mysteries, I like, was my favourite to, to go to. Mm, women's Mysteries. So this is a term that is not very familiar to a lot of people, I imagine. So when I first heard the word Women's Mysteries, I had literally no idea what it was about. And so I had to go along and find out. <laughs> and then I found out that it actually wasn't that mysterious at all. It's like basic biology <laughs> of women. But I suppose it's called Mysteries because really our biology is shrouded in mystery, isn't it? I mean, people don't have a great understanding of the menstrual cycle, of, of childbirth, of, of menopause, all of those things uh, which fall into the women's mysteries. It's like they're taboo or, you know, there's misinformation about them or, you know, all that kind of stuff, all the traditional information, wisdom that women have held for thousands of years around those topics is, has been you know, um, taken away from those women and put into the hands of the medical establishment. So, you know, that's that's why I think it's called Women's Mysteries. But what's your take on it, Kirsten? Well, I think uh, mainly also shame, I think, is a big one, that women have been made feel ashamed for, for, their, for losing blood, for bleeding, for uh, having even discomfort or pain and Actually, that was the original topic, talking about chronic pelvic pain. Um, is is highly related to that, that people just don't go and get it properly assessed, what's actually happening. They rather uh, chuck, chuck pills to not have the urge to go three times a night to toilet before they go to see a specialist physiotherapist to actually have a proper diagnosis, what's going on there. So that's part for me of the women's mystery is just coming back to your body, love your body, taking care of your body and your uh, way of of looking after yourself. Mm, and that's yeah. Um, yeah, that's my take on that. Yeah, sure. So it's a mystery 
not only in society, but you think a mystery to ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, being being cut off, being not allowed to. Uh, a sexy, strong woman can't can't show still in many places, or will, yeah, will be still subject to some sort of harassment or attacks. Or it's um, at least my generation that is. <laughs> I think the modern women, when I watch them, I'm occasionally jealous how freely they just already march on and out there. That oh wow that took me a long time to get there, <laughs> but um, yeah, but those those uh, problems are don't need to stay as a problem. It's just as part of a path to self discovery, and say okay I'm, I'm struggling with that. So what can I do about it? Mm. And it's also a mystery as to where you can find information about it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like because I, I have been a physiotherapist uh, for 17 years in Germany. And and yes, you, you know, if you have those chronic pelvic issues, you want to do particular stretches and people always thinking along the lines of, I have a weak pelvis floor. And often it's a tension, which is a problem, not the weakness. You have to relax. And if you think, along the lines, oh, I'm having a weak pelvic floor, you tend to tense up even more to hold it all in, but that's causing a lot of trouble. So you need to relax and actually just as simple as uh, really diaphragmatic breath, breathing in and have the diaphragm pushing down and the diaphragm, actually the pelvic floor acts like a diaphragm too. So you also allow to relax into the area but okay. um first can ask, is, yeah can i ask at this point can you describe exactly for the listeners here on yasfm what is the pelvic floor the pelvic floor is what's basically closing up your body to towards the ground it's keeping the organs in place and uh, also needs to allow for things to come out like uh, fishes like your urine and come in like if you want to have in sexual intercourse and uh, the muscles on the pelvic floor is regulating all of that so keeping the organs in as well as relaxing and releasing to allow other things to take place as wanted needed or enjoyed to depending what what activity you're after Mm. So, so it's basically a group of muscles, right, that support the, in, are they supporting the internal organs, kind of like a fruit salad bowl? A little bit like it, yes. And uh, the organs are also really tied to the sacrum or uh, along your spine, so they stay in place too. And they all have their particular uh, fascia around them and, and uh structures to keep them at place and the pelvis floor is doing its bit from the bottom however if you gave birth that's definitely an area highly stressed or even damaged and the organs can at times even lose their proper spot like the bladder for instance could be tilted a bit to the front and then you can have all those things like uh 
little wheeze or if you sneeze, you get some droplets and all of that. And there are things you can do about that. And for really bad cases, we have great ruptures of the pelvic floor and the traumatic birth. You even can put in a little um, silicon ring as a bizarre holding your organs back in place so you can go and jog about and go about your day without having to worry to dribble. Yeah, so there's so much you can do wow. if you can overcome your shame and just say, no, actually, it's I can do something about it. And I see a specialist physiotherapist. They, they are the ones who can fit all those little things. Or if you have a high tension there to help stretching or pain uh, doing intercourse, which is also quite common, sadly, it's nothing you need to just accept. So uh, your, your specialist physio will have like really tiny little mini dildos starting from very small and then gently bigger, bigger to stretch it out. So uh, as from, from a medical point of perspective, if you want to go down that way, but they can also do internal work, which is what I'm not doing. I'm not trained for internal work. Again, uh, I think it's good to have your specialist for for that kind of stuff. Mm, great. So this is a very much interest to me personally, and I'm sure a lot of other menopausal women, because during menopause, as the estrogen drops, then it affects so many things of the body. And one of them, I believe, is it affects the uh, lining of the urethra and makes it, which is the one where the pee comes out, and makes... Um, makes that a bit weaker or unable to squeeze together to hold the pee in. Is that mm. correct? So I have a real problem with that. Um, anytime I sneeze or laugh or cough, or even if I take a step down and I'm not expecting it, you know how if you think you're at the bottom of the steps and then, oh, yeah. or if you think there's another step in there isn't or whatever, and you take that extra unexpected step, that is enough as well. So and we're, I was having a discussion on Facebook with someone, I can't remember about what you call it when you, um, pee and laugh at the same time and um uh was it something like a pit laugh fiddle or something i can't remember now <laughs> something like <laughs> medical it's such a real thing, you know isn't uh, it? like so many women have this and i mean i'm not ashamed to say it because i'm not really ashamed to say anything but i know a lot of women will never say anything about this kind of thing yeah. but and so that so they may end up having you know like urinary incontinence pads or what have you i don't want to do that and i have and i you know do pelvic floor exercises well don't really but when I think about it but I didn't know that there was something you could do about it like put a ring somewhere like can you please yeah. explain how that works Kirsten to our it's listeners like on your a, Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a uh, like a pizza it's it's uh you get fitted you can keep it in for up to a week most people or women just have it for doing exercise or when they're out and about it doesn't have to stay in there but what is it exactly? It, it's a it's a ring. It's a, a medical grade silicon ring. Oh, okay. And you insert it, and what it does, it it just holds the organs up and in place. And if you have your bladder pushed a bit forward through pregnancy and birth and other things which can happen, then it's again it's helping everything to be in place. And you get back control of the muscles underneath. Wow. 
And so, so where does can... it go? Does it sit like just underneath the cervix or something? I must admit, you caught me out here. I'm not 100% sure that would be somewhere in the vagina, right? <laughs> somewhere in the general vicinity of the vagina. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, uh, I learn about those things, but like I'm not the specialist physiotherapist. Right. I, that's again, that's where you want to just step out and go and see a specialist, sure. get a proper diagnosis, okay, and uh, then get fitted with which whatever you need, what your ah. needs are. And and sorry, so who do I go to see a, a pelvic physiotherapist? Yes. Oh, so that's what I Google pelvic physiotherapy. Yes. I, yeah, right. Okay. Well, that's very interesting information. So thanks, Kirsten. If you're just tuned in to the ACFM and wondering why we're talking about vaginas, <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten's talking about pelvic chronic pelvic pain, and we've been talking about you know incontinence or how the pelvic floor holds up all the um, kind of organs like the bladder and the um, urethra and so on and so that you know when you have what's it called stress incontinence i think yes. isn't it when you sneeze yes. or laugh or step or something and you get a little bit of wee and you just can't help it and um you know and it can be just like it can be really you know just awful especially if it's more than just a couple of drops you know yes. and especially if you're traveling or if you're somewhere and you don't have anything you know with you you're nowhere near a toilet or whatever that can be quite distressing so I think it's incredible that here, you heard it here first, if you didn't know, because I didn't, that you can actually do something about it instead of those pelvic floor exercises that don't seem to actually do a damn thing. Um, and um, so you can have a little ring inserted somewhere in the vagina up near the cervix. I don't know. I presume that it's up there because it would be uncomfortable if it was anywhere else. Um, somewhere there. <laughs> I'm assuming it's not inside the cervix, like it must be on the external, or it doesn't actually. No, no you have to go. You have to go inside. You inside cannot. the cervix, so that's a very small hole. So it must be some sort of procedure. Do you have to have like a general anaesthetic or something? No, oh god, no. You do oh, no. it yourself. It's like oh, you do it yourself. Like, uh, oh, even it's better. It's a bit like if like a menstrual imagine... cup or something. Yes, it's a oh. bit like that. So I can buy a thing and then I can put it in and out. Just, yes, but you want oh. to have it fitted because it's it's uh, you, you really need the proper diagnosis. Sure. You need to know oh, where sure. the organs are. You need to know what yeah. damage maybe there is from, yeah. from birth. Yeah. And oh, I didn't that. mean I just go and buy one off the shelf. Yeah. I mean, no. I go get one. <laughs> like, I get go one, to I the plumber shop. <laughs> I buy one from the Just order it online from com. Can I have one floor um, <laughs> <Yes>. ring? <laughs> no, I meant like I go to the physiotherapist yes. and they organise one and they then, do. then I take yeah. it home and then I put it in and out myself after they've yeah, shown they it. Yeah, they will fit food. you first so that right. you know exactly how it feels and where it yeah. meant to be and what it meant to do and all of that yeah right well thank you information i'm lacking yeah no well that's fine like thank you so much for for even you know educating me thus far that's fantastic so kirsten let's be we'll talk a bit more about chronic pain but just a little bit about you uh so as i said you do practice as a psychosomatic counselor after a history of being a physiotherapist in germany from the 80s through to you know, the 2000 or through the 90s and then um, having our own health and wellness studio on the fringe of Berlin in the early 2000s. Um, and then after coming to Australia, your physio qualifications weren't recognised like many other overseas people. This happened also to my dad. I mean, it's so common. My dad was a bricklayer in Croatia and when he came to Australia as a refugee in the 50s, you know, um, they didn't recognise anything. So he had to go off and I don't know what he did. 
I mean, I don't actually know if he got qualified again, but he still did go work as a bricklayer. <laughs> so I don't actually know. <laughs> but I think laying bricks is possibly a bit different to, you know, physiotherapy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so then I believe you worked as a remedial massage, masseur, masseur? Massage therapist. Massage therapist, thank you, yeah. um, for a number of years before eventually deciding after doing a, a diploma of counselling to move to this psychosomatic counselling. So I think people are mostly familiar with physios and remedial massage and, you know, counselling. But can you please tell us a bit more, because I think it sounds fascinating, about what it is to be a psychosomatic counsellor? Well, it's um, I picked the, the topic of chronic pain because it's easiest to explain by that. And if you look at chronic pain, it has it's really... Once it's bypassing the thalamus, but (laughs) start from the beginning. So pain is a measurement of threat. It's not a measurement of already uh, damage. So if you have an, an accident, for instance, you experience pain and the pain is stopping you from moving wherever the pain comes from. So it's getting not further damaged. So it's always, always a measure of damage. Never a measure, um, uh, never a measure of damage. Or only a measure of threat. How threatened you are to create more structural injury. So it doesn't mean like more. More pain doesn't mean more damage. It just means more threat. So to stop you moving, and uh, when. You think about it, it's an it's an experience. It's not a thing as such. So you experience pain, you learn about pain, you learn what pain means to you. It's very circumstantial too. Like, ah, oh, we just seen the soccer World Cup. We saw the girl uh, the, the women getting injured, and then they roll on the ground, they even might even cry, but then they jump up and run again. So they really want to be there. They want to do that and they're excited and the pain is very fast subsiding. Now imagine um, you are at work and your boss says you have to do over hours and you actually don't want to do that, but then you do anyway and then you get injured and then you're all in this horrible mood. Oh, it will hurt a lot more, even if the damage is a lot less. You just feel, oh my God, this is horrible. I need workers' compensation and the pain is, is accelerating and I'm really hurt. And so it's really what you learn about pain and how you experience pain, because it's exactly that. And when it becomes chronic, then the pain response is shifting like. Normally, the pain goes through the thalamus and then uh, notifies your brain, and then you get uh, the information back to the limb. Let's say you hurt your foot or it's sprained ankle, and you stop moving. And if you bypass the thalamus, it goes straight to your emotional field. And then it is about how you think, feel, about pain, your history with pain comes in. And it's not anymore just physical. You have then the whole the whole thing, the holistic thing of, of chronic pain. And so um, I start all this off with the body as that's where we experience the pain. 
So what I would do, I would try to uh, get the myofascial release around the pain area plus the whole body. And if you think about myofascial release, that's your, um, your, your connective tissues. And they do exactly that. They connect everything with everything. So if you imagine you have a tablecloth and you put a glass of water on it and you pull on one side, not only would you find out where this glass of water stands with closed eyes, just by pulling on the cloth, on the tissue in that case, but you could also see along where you pull, if you have a loosely woven tablecloth, how every fiber is stretching. Mm -hmm. And actually this stretch goes right into the cells, right into your chromosomes. And it can actually even affect your DNA. Wow. So your healing can go very, very deep. So that's one way, the physical way. And then the other way is still working with the body. Pain also triggers what we know, the fight and flight response. We all heard about it. And chronic pain uh, is related also then to stress, high stress level. And that, again, makes it a lot worse because now what your brain sends back to the injured area is now also intercepted, which means it's not stopping the intention, the, the, the intensity of the pain anymore. So the pain is just getting worse. Then you got the release of cortisol there. And that, again, it's highly inflammatory if that's a chronic thing. So you want to switch over the nervous system to calm down from that. And that's why I do the biodynamic craniosacral work, which is what you know me from, the wise gatherings. I did that there quite, uh, quite often. And a lot of people now these days talking about the polyvagal theory. And this is all to do about exactly that. You want the sympathetic system to switch over to the parasympathetic system. And if you can reach the ventral vagus nerve, which is the one to calm down all the organs and your breathing and everything settles. So you, you switch back. Okay. Can, do, can I just um, ask a few questions here, just for the listeners? Sure, um, sure. So if you've, uh, coming on just now to YASFM, we're talking to Kirsten Boccaliero about pain chronic pain and how it's stored in the body and how it's produced i found that fascinating that you said pain is um pain measures threat i've never heard that before that was really interesting but just a few terms i want to just clarify for the listeners who um uh, may not be familiar with them so you mentioned craniosacral um, balancing balancing <laughs> so cranio is the head the sacral is the the bones or can you just define quickly what craniosacral um, balancing is? Yes, it is the, the, the head, the cranium and the sacrum is, uh, is your your tailbone, I think you call it in English. Yes, yes tailbone, yes. Tailbone and uh, obviously your nervous system communicates from the brain via your spinal cord and then around all the organs and in the sacrum itself again you have a lot of uh, 
the parasympathetic systems, nervous system, getting all the organs or be below the diaphragm, like really in the pelvic floor, there we are again. And you want to connect both. You want to make sure that uh, that the fluids from your from your brain going down the spinal cord freely, and then can you can relax into into the body. You will follow tension to you will not only stay on the cranium and on the sacrum, you will move through uh through working this this ahead, this is frontal lobe, also um behind your ears, the, the exit points actually of the vagus nerve. Uh, the vagus nerve is a head nerve, which means it doesn't go to the spinal cord. It comes out um, right there. You have to be a bit careful if you, if you are sensitive to those points. And um, yeah, you, you aim to release the, or relax the nervous system and give the body a chance to reset itself. Because mm, the body so, is the body is the thing that he does the healing. It's not the practitioner, it, isn't it? No. So or the drugs. The body. <laughs> no, no, it's it's a body. But you're supporting the body's self healing. Yeah. So the polyvagal nerve you mentioned. So I I I understand that that nerve is one that goes from the brain down to the sort of stomach and the heart and the other organs. Or can you explain the polyvagal nerve? Uh, well, that that's. Uh, poly, that's multi, multiple yes. nervous, nervous function. Well, you have um, the vagus on, on the back, more on the back, which is more also switching over to your fight and flight. And you have the frontal ones, which is more to do with your organs, organ systems and your breathing. That's, uh, yeah, that's governed basically your healthy organ function. That's the easiest and most plainly to explain. Mm -hmm. It is a bit complicated mm. <laughs> try to uh, without any pictures to show. <laughs> it's a challenge <laughs> of radio. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know. I'm a bit lost for how to yeah. explain that. That's okay. That. So just basics, yeah. So so a nerve or nerves that connect um, the brain with the organs and with uh, down the back, and it's involved in your, uh, your nervous system and your fight and flight response in a in a nutshell. It um, switches over from fight to flight to relaxation. Oh, okay. So when you relax the nerve, like by deep breathing or meditation or any of those things, that will then yeah. calm your body from anxiety, fight or flight to relaxation. Is that correct? That's correct. Or if you have right. sleeping problems, a lot of people... Yeah, either fall asleep at the treatment or often report that they could sleep really well after receiving mm. that kind of treatment. Right. So you're massaging or touching certain points and things and that helps release and relax the nerve. Is that what the craniosacral does? Uh, it, it's, it's not that specific in that sense. You are really following the body. It's listening. The therapist really listening into the body, which means I can just, for instance, hold your head for quite a long time. And then I feel, oh, okay, the, uh, the atlas, which is the first uh, vertebrae where your head is resting on, ah, oh, that's really jammed. So maybe the fluid is not going through well. So I'm just sitting there waiting, maybe, maybe going a little bit in, 
that would be more the normal cranial work, not the biodynamic one. Biodynamic, you just wait. With the other, you might give a little hint that you can relax into the hands a bit better. And um, wait for this to release and create space. And then uh, if you have only one hole, I would probably go for the base of the skull, which is uh, the occiput and the sphenoid to the front, which is building basically the base of your skull. And if you release that, for instance, all the nerves can work a bit more free, but you're not saying, oh, I want to work with the vagus now. You're working with the system. Mm -hmm. And then when the system is supported and you open or close, sometimes the valves can be too open too, which happens in autism a lot. But that's a different topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway. also, it goes and goes, doesn't it? Once you start talking about one thing, it just, yes. there's so many pathways a conversation can take. And unfortunately in the, you know, approximately 50 minutes I have for the Women's, no, no, no. Women's Wisdom Show, we can't possibly cover all the ways, but, and I do know yeah. you want to talk about chronic pain, but just one other question was, so, so with the word psychosomatic, somatic means the body. Is that right? Yes. Exactly. And psycho is obviously psychological. Like, is it, yeah. so is it talking about how the head and the body interact or how the mind no. and the body interact? I mean, no, that's, uh, for me, it would be creating awareness, awareness of the body. And my favorite way to go about this is this ACT. That's acceptance and commitment therapy. ACT. Acceptance ACT. and commitment. So ACT. Acceptance yeah. and therapy. Okay. Yeah. And but they they insist to call it ACT, not ACT. I guess <laughs> you might get too fast. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I'm not fast. Um, but they like like to say act because of the commitment part that you really have to. Oh, because you have to act. You have to do yes. something, right? And could yes. you could you possibly talk us through what act involves? Uh, it it comes from Buddhism, or it uh, originates from Buddhism with uh, four pillars of of uh, suffering. That's part of the. Uh, in Buddhism, the four pillars of suffering is there. Uh, the truth of suffering, then the truth of the cause of suffering, and uh, eventually the truth of how to overcome suffering. And uh, so the cause of all suffering, in that sense, really always comes from your way, the way you think about stuff. It's uh, your, your um, basically your cravings. You want things to be different. That's the source of all suffering. You want to have a better employment, a nicer house. You want something you don't have. Mm -hmm. And that's the source of all suffering, according yeah. to Buddhism. And uh, to get about it, obviously, is to let go of, of your cravings of what you want to do. Mm, and and, and what modern... Basically, modern days, it's to me, it comes a lot down to self regulation. And self regulation is really the basis of all our, uh, of a lot of our behaviors. So, uh, in easy terms, can you just eat of chocolate or do you end up eating the whole bar? Mm. Um, or 
you get triggered and you get angry, can you pause in between the trigger and your response? Or are you just acting out? That will cause a whole different reaction and it can inflame a conversation or it can calm it down. So it's all about how well you can actually uh, be in charge. Yeah. 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 And uh, accept what you cannot change, accept this is the world, this is how yeah. it is. And what yeah. can I do to uh, to live my purpose, a purposeful life? What is my purpose? Yeah. And sometimes that's more than the talking about trying to find find out what, what is your purpose and mm -hmm. how can you be aware what happens in your body, what's actually just come down to the normal physical needs of eat, sleep, relax. Yeah. And these are things that we ignore, don't it? We tend to ignore the body and the body starts sending us messages and starts yeah. speaking louder and louder and then the body ends up screaming. And when you still don't listen, then the body decides to make you listen by getting sick or getting chronic pain yeah. or having a heart attack or getting cancer or whatever the things are, whatever exactly. the symptoms are, mostly yeah. from my understanding and reading and conversations that um, the body is the one that's um, running the show. It's not the mind. The mind is like, you know, like the servant sort of thing. And the mind is very useful and helps us come up with all sorts of wonderful ideas and or not so wonderful ideas and all that kind of thing. But in reality, the body is the one that we live in. We don't actually live in the mind, although, you know, I guess people do, and that's why you have problems, but we actually have a physical body. That's our expression of being in the world. It's this body, you know, and the mind, people don't even know where it is yet. Like I've been reading some stuff that explains that people have actually, scientists still don't actually know or, or they've shown at least that memories are not actually stored in the brain at all. Where we think all our memories are, they're actually stored in the body. And which you probably know this, I imagine. And, um, you know, I find that fascinating. And so we really need to listen to those feelings, those emotions in the body, and they are they will be an indicator of, you know, whatever that your current sort of issue is. Obviously, if you break your leg, you know, it hurts because you broke your leg. So, you know, I guess you could look into the reasons why you broke your leg, where you're reacting to a situation that if you had taken a breath and calmed down, perhaps you wouldn't have broken your leg. That's possibly still your body talking to you. But, um, yeah, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here. but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, the, 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 the thoughts and behaviours, like I said, with, with controlling your cravings or being in charge of your cravings and are happy with a piece of chocolate and don't need to eat the bar and all of that, that does does do a lot to your body obviously mm. so it is it is about sorts as well it's big time in fact about sorts yeah. so again if you think uh, I'm hard done by and I'm not having what I'm deserving then you create more suffering and your body will respond to that too mm. if, again with this uh, example of having your accident at workplace where you don't want it to be anyway uh you will actually nurture your pain i when I, in my physio days people coming from workers compensation everybody rolled the eyes and we became biased because oh they don't want to get better they just want to have their compensation they want to uh, sure, the world hears that they have been hard done by, and that the 
the boss was evil and they should have been sent home on time and blah, blah, blah. That's a whole, and, and they're keeping it alive. Of course, it is now really bad to say it in that negative way, because of course there's a lot of true paying their workers compensation and stuff is absolutely helpful and necessary. I'm, I just said we had to overcome our biases too, but it just is true that how you think about your pain, how you feel about it and what it does or doesn't do does play a big role. So you really, with chronic pain, want to look at at your behaviors, of your of your thinking behaviors, of uh, how you express yourself, and what you tell your body. Because ultimately, your your body, you want to be right. And if you talk about, for instance, I know that one well because I suffered migraines for a long time. If you call it my migraine, you own it. It's mine. Huh. <laughs> you need to let it go. So, Okay, we've just uh, lost Kirsten. She's dropped out, um, which is a bit unfortunate. Um, but this has been a fascinating conversation. So on SFM, you've been with Kath Kovac and um, talking about women's voices, women's wisdom. So Kirsten um, probably won't be able to get back on now and the show is probably approaching an end. So I just wanted to make a couple of comments on what Kirsten was talking about for everyone listening there on SFM. So that the idea is that pain is your body speaking to you and we don't want to listen to it because it hurts and that makes sense. So in that, whether that's physical pain or emotional pain or chronic pain, whatever it is, when it hurts, we don't want to feel it because it feels horrible. But from a lot of reading and experience and practices that I've discovered and I've heard other women talking about and read, and not just women, men too, <laughs> won't be sexist there, <laughs> um, that so unless you acknowledge that pain and tell your body, yes, I hear you, I see you, you know, um, thank you for whatever message you're trying to send me. I mean, this sounds a bit bizarre to a lot of people, I'm sure, but I've done it myself many times and I've helped friends as well um, to just literally feel whatever that pain feels like in your body. Try to narrow it down for yourself. What does my pain feel like? Is it, you know, a dull robbing thread, red ache in my lower back or is it, you know, a hard piece of concrete in my shoulders or, you know, is it um, a big uh, blanket pushing me down into the ground or whatever description fits your sensations once you can do that uh, you can then actually acknowledge that it's there and then just visualize or imagine your um, body whatever that shape that color that size that sensation is just changing in some way so for instance if you had a very heavy weight on you, you might imagine that weight just lifting off by some balloons, helium balloons, lifting it off or something. It all depends on your imagination and, and how well you can connect with your body. But it is not an easy process. And also it's painful because you need to focus on your pain instead of medicating it or, you know, ignoring it to actually have this healing process occur. You really need to focus on the pain and really, really feel it and listen to your body. And, you know, this can be quite controversial for people. Obviously, if you are extremely ill, I'm not at all making light of anyone's illness or pain, but 
um, it's been shown again and again and again that the body is actually trying to talk to us all the time. The body does have the wisdom, but we have learned in our society to ignore the body and listen to the head. And uh, that, you know, it's not working, is it? <laughs> so if things aren't working for you, try something else. That's what I always say. So thank you uh, very much for listening in Women's Voices, Women's Wisdom. On YesFM, you've been with Kath Kovac. I was speaking with Kirsten Bukaliro, a psychosomatic counsellor from Sydney, who has a lot of fascinating information about our you know, nervous system and how it works and how we can relax it, especially in regards to chronic pain. And if you missed the start of the show when I was speaking, we were speaking about pelvic floor and um, in stress incontinence when a woman sneezes or coughs or what have you and a little bit of pee comes out, which is very, very common. Um, Kirsten was saying that you can go and see a pelvic physiologist and or physiotherapist and actually, you know, be fitted with uh, some kind of silicon ring or something. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't, I can't imagine it yet. I need to find out about it. Um, and that can actually help you. So, you know, I'm off to book an appointment with a pelvic physiotherapist. I don't know what you're going to do the rest of your day, but have a good one wherever it is. And thanks for listening to Women's Wisdom, Women's Voices, Women's Wisdom on Yas FM. And I will see you next week. Have a great afternoon.